everyone. On this episode of the podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing chiropractor, business owner, and fellow Bemidji State football alumni, Dr. James Midbow. Without further ado, let's get right into it. Thanks for joining me, Dr. James. Really yeah, appreciate you're it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So I'll just start out like what you want to just introduce yourself, kind of give your background, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. James Midbow. I am a chiropractor out of Savage, Minnesota. Like It's um, called Finish Line Wellness. And uh, yeah, former grad of BSU as well, Bemidji State Beavers football, played there in uh, 2001 to 6, and uh, yeah, went on to uh, play a little bit after college, bounced around some leagues, uh, did a short boxing stint. Yeah, and then uh, got beat up and came home, and then I went <laughs> to chiropractic school. <laughs> so I never knew that. What you, what'd you do with your, like boxing? Yeah, I did a um the there was a TV show back in the day. I don't even know if they're still doing it, but it was called The Contender. It was like a okay. r- reality TV show where you eliminate your roommates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh I remember I got back from an arena football season in Bemidji and uh it was the middle of winter and it was I broke up with a girl I was with for like 4 years in college. Wow. And uh I got called by this TV show. I think they got my name from like NFL profiles that expired. Okay. It was like anybody that was two, f- 240 and 6'4 or above that had any fighting, like anything on their uh, NFL uh, resume. Yeah. For, you know, and they, they understand, like in, in those kind of um, documents, like they know every place you've trained, anybody you've trained next to. I mean, it's like super extensive. Yeah. So somehow they must have found out that I did like hit a bag a few times or something. Okay. And they called and said, hey, we want you to come try out for this boxing sh- show. And I was like, no way in hell I'm going to do that. And then, uh, and then uh, yeah, broke up with this girl I was dating in college, moved back to Super Cold Bemidji, and I was like, screw it, let's go for it. So I called them and said, I'll come try out. But I really just wanted the 1000 bucks. I, really <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really care, but I happened to be in good shape. And uh, they're they like, we want you to stay. And I said, no way in hell. And they said, we'll, we'll give you this. And I was like, all right, let me go grab my bags. <laughs> so I came back and did that for a little while. So Yeah? Yeah. So I was, you know, uh, a little over a year. Is there any did video that? of it? Of you? Is it like a TV show? or It was all, uh, it was for shows, so it was per- pretty well protected. Okay. Actually, they kind of juked us, too. They ended, up, um, they ended up using the the best boxers and promoted them like individual. Oh, and okay. so they saved, I think they kind of saved the overhead of the show. Yeah, and um, I think they more used it like as a recruiting tool than they did for TV. Uh-huh. So some of those guys are st- still doing it though. That came out of that training, yeah. training group. Yeah. So yeah, then uh, back to Minnesota, went to college, and here I am, decade later, fifteen years later actually. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sweet. I mean, what was your? Can you tell me a little bit more about like your college ca- kind of experience playing for Bemidji and? Like how, because I mean, the team historically, if you go back like ways, it wasn't like super dominant. It's gotten a lot better. Like, were you part of like it on the coming up, or what was it like when you were there? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, well, little background. So, my high school team, I played nine man in high school. So, so you know, quarterback, yeah, middle linebacker, kicker. Yeah, played both ways. Like, had to call call uh, call the coach and like beg him to come out for plays, like just to get a breath. Because yeah. I was on special teams, I was the punter, D, <laughs> D, <laughs> D lineman, tight end, yeah. So, 
But, um, yeah, nine-man football in high school. Uh, was recruited for pretty much like NDSU, UND, U of M, Bemidji, you know, some pretty local stuff. Sweet. And then um, – but I was like, I think I weighed in at Bemidji at six. I was six four five, six four, probably two thirteen, when I weighed in. Wow, as a D end. So, yeah. I mean, so I, going into college, like I really had no clue if I'd be any good in college or not. Okay, I just had no uh, gauge. Cause like nine man to college. Yeah, nine like man step. just and had no experience with recruiting, and really my family, you know, didn't really know how to help much. I don't think in that regard. And yeah. So I just never really had any help. <clears throat> I remember I remember him asking for f- film back in the day. Yeah. And uh so I went I went to my coach and said, Hey, can we get uh can I get like a highlight film? And uh he said, Yeah, I'll get you something. <clears throat> so he he handed me a VHS that like one of the parents from the stands had recorded the game on, on like their handy cam yeah. or you know, their <laughs> camcorder, like on the yeah. shoulder. <laughs> and um yeah, so sent a sent a game game VHS. And yeah, end up getting a scholarship to play, play Bemidji, and um, I kind of went into college no, like wanting to walk, um, wanted to start my first year as like a red shirt because yeah. I knew I had to gain size. Yeah, for I sure. mean I didn't even know how to run a forty. I think my first forty that I ever ran was probably at like maybe a official uh, recruiting visit or something. But yeah, I never really ran a forty. Um, so, I mean, my first year at Bemidji, I gained 35 pounds and cut three-tenths of a second on the 40. So, <laughs> so that's, <I> was, <laughs> that's big. Yeah. So, I got way bigger, way stronger, and, and a lot faster. But, I mean, I think part of the speed was just <clears throat> I just straight up didn't know how to run. But yeah, I mean, that's a that big way. part of it. Yeah. <laughs> so. You still have the record. Last time, like, I remember when I was walking, there's, like, the board right outside the locker room. It says all the records of, like, pro agility, yeah. bench, squat. And you well, were what up I should have you were at pro agility. Yeah, what I should have done record. was r- I should have ran that 40 sideways because my pro agility it was, was so good, fast. right? <laughs> it was. <laughs> it's, like, 4.0-something. Like, yeah. It's super quick. Yeah, it was a really good side-to-side. Uh, maybe I should have played second level more than I don't know. But, yeah, I was <clears throat> pretty good, pretty agile for a bigger guy at one time. But yeah, that's awesome. Apparently, was I was faster sideways than than I was yeah. straight. <laughs> what was your record at Bemidji? Like, did you have like a really good year? Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're asking about the coming up. So, Bemidji, man, they're winning games. They just started kind of turning the corner. Um, okay. The era before me, I would say. Okay. Uh, they were winning like they won nine games one season a few years before I got there, and then seven, I think. And then, uh, yeah, we won at least seven games all the years I played. So nice. I think it was seven or eight games we won every year. So, yeah, we never we never clinched when I was there. The conference they won the conference the next year, but I always just say like you know those guys learned everything they knew from me. So yeah, you set the yeah standard, huh? Yeah, but I didn't take a red shirt a medical year. I should have probably taken yeah You're my banged sophomore up. year. <clears throat> yeah, I had a bad, so. I had a bad ankle tear, and um, actually it was I did it playing intramural basketball. Which was frowned upon. I think. That's why they don't let us play basketball anymore. Exactly. <laughs> no, it, it literally ended <laughs> intramural sports for like scholarship athletes and probably everybody now. So yeah, when I tore that, uh, kind of the new rules came on on intramurals sports, and uh, I basically had to hide for like a month. Because <laughs> yeah, so everyone was, was mad at you. <laughs> yeah, everyone was pissed. But yeah, that was bad, and I played that season without it repaired. So I, I basically yeah, had to tape, taped it up. Yeah, had to like pretty much cast my leg. Uh, 
I still started. I started over like a six-year senior. Um, and that was a hell of a learning experience. Talk about um, just everything from like the physical stress to the emotional stress, playing in pain, yeah. playing through things. On film, so like it was my left ankle and I played DN, right? So if I was, say, if I was on the right side mm-hmm. and uh, and a running back came out on the to the sideline, so like of I couldn't push off with my left foot because it would the tendon would pop over my lateral malleolus. So I had to, if they went to, if they were running to my right, I had to spin and go left basically. <laughs> and so on film, it was like the most unorthodox, <laughs> you know, we always had the laser pointers on the screen. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, still. And by like game two that, you know, coach wouldn't even say anything anymore. He'd just, just point to that, you know, like spin and go technique that I had to develop. But yeah, so that was a hell of a year. I was, I was never probably, um, I don't know if I ever gained that speed quite back again or not, but, yeah. um, struggled that sophomore year and then, um, had pretty good junior, senior years, but. So then did you always kind of want to go play professional or what were your thoughts after you were done with your college career? Were you like, I want, want to continue to play football or what were you thinking? Yeah, no, actually I had no, um, aspirations of playing after college at all. Yeah. I, uh, I had a pretty good junior year and that got me some attention my senior year and, um, I wouldn't say I had a great like statistic senior year, but I had, but I got a lot of, um, just like double teams and, and attention yeah. in the conference and region. So, um, I was able to make the cactus bowl. It's like the D2, D2 all-star game down in Texas. And then, um, went down there, had a really good week. And, uh, you know, some, I don't know, I'd say some of my better game film ever in college was probably from that game. Um, had a at the all-star game yeah at the all-star oh, game sweet. yeah it was like the east-west game for division two it used okay. to be it's formerly known as i think it was the snow bowl back in the day in division two yeah. and they, i think they used to do it in fargo um okay just but then up north yeah and uh it's like the east-west game for d2 okay and uh now it's the cactus bowl i think it's they still know, have it's that still going. yeah i think it's nai and d3 and d2 it's kind of like a oh they merged them now mixed, yeah yeah it wasn't then either so it was it was guys that I knew of, you know. That was a cool thing about going to it because it was guys that I, um, you know, we recruited at the same time. Yeah. And you know, you, you kind of lose track. Some of those guys go to different conferences and different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty much like just you know all Americans, and there was um, I think there was two uh, recruits from every NFL team there, and so there's a lot of just you know cameras and attention i guess and we went through the whole gamut they <laughs> they they run you through the cattle call like you know basically a piece of meat for like the first part of the week you do like run 40s and do testing and they don't you know, know your name or anything you're yeah just, yeah yeah it's like they say jump and you say hi you know type of stuff and and then it gets a little more relaxed you know as the game comes up and then you know you go through your pl- you know kind of some general plays and stuff like that and and then yeah, let it rip. So, but I mean, also it's in Texas, and obviously a big football scene there. I mean, they had a high school game that I think that week before or that Friday, and it was like, geez, they had probably more fans at their f- their high school football <laughs> game than we ever did in Jeez. college. Yeah, I bet. Uh, but yeah, it was good, fun experience. And then yeah, I got some attention from that, and that just led to they said you should get an agent. You know, there's teams that are asking 
and I got an agent and tried to go through that process, you know, not knowing much about it. It was much like my high school experience, to be honest with you. It was like, yeah. didn't really know what the hell I was doing and, you know, pretty naive to the whole politic in myself, you know, and even a D2 level, you know, it's really not that big of attention. We're not like on the yeah. big cameras yeah. and we're not on ESPN and, and then all of a sudden it goes to kind of skipped a level really i feel like but yeah and biggest biggest thing for me was that kind of always wanted film you know i was mm-hmm. like we need film against better players you know because coming from i think i would say like an up-and-coming nsic uh whereas just they always wanted film against better players. i think i passed the eye test pretty well yeah i uh, did okay on paper and um it was more just you know wanted wanted to see me play against better players so apparently arena and, and canadian leagues were, were that um or at least thought to be that, but I just didn't really feel like that was the case either. It's kind of, kind of hodgepodge for talent in there too. So, and honestly, a lot of guys in the arena leagues, there, there were guys that were already in the NFL and they were like on their way out, you know. Yeah. So they're just kind of on the decline, and I was trying to kind of go the other way. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird crossroads. Mm-hmm. And then also, t- I'd say like that, I don't know what you call it, sub, semi-pro or pro. You know, it was kind of like a league where, uh, really nobody wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. it kind of like creates a, a crazy environment kinda, yeah, yeah. Cr- even the coaches so you know everybody mm-hmm. wants a better contract and so there's a weird kind of energy around mm-hmm. you know if it comes if it comes down to me and you you know i'm gonna pick me kind of thing yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of a unique pretty unique scenario yeah sounds a little bit like like junior college mm-hmm. in a way yeah i could see that so yeah, so I was kind of bouncing around for a couple of years doing that, trying doing tryouts, pro days and stuff for trying to get a better contract. And uh, I don't know, kind of just as much saw what I didn't like mm-hmm. as what I was kind of thought I was looking for. So kind of short-lived and, um, yeah, just decided it probably wasn't for me. Just got sick of politicking it. And yeah. But, uh, yeah, moved on and. Yeah, did a short stint fighting after that, and then <laughs> that was interesting. My our trainer was Pepe Carrera, who's the most most decorated boxing trainer in boxing history. That's great. So if you look up Pepe, uh, interesting character. But Pepe Carrera, uh, he was like seventy years old, and he was in the best shape you've ever seen. A yeah. seventy year old. He was hanging with you, or what? for sure. He'd do like he'd do planks, and he'd hold a plank for like five and a half minutes or something. And uh, he'd outlast all of us in those kind of, like, endurance things still. Jeez. Um, but anyway, like, Lennox Lewis would come through, and he he would spar with us. He was in L.A. at the time, too, doing, like, the Celebrity Apprentice. Okay. So he, I think he got second on that show. But um, So he'd always be in the gym, too, with his, like, Rastafarian kind of, like, posse, which is kind of funny because they all look like Rastas, but they had, like, British accents. You know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of funny. And this was in L.A., you were saying? Yeah, it was out of Carson. Okay. We lived in Marina in the marina, okay. in a, an apartment kind of all together. All, so, like, the boxing guys? Yeah. From, okay. And then we'd, we'd bust over. So it was, it was bizarre. Like, the show, the show kind of setup would be, like, you know, you get up on fighting days not knowing if you're going to get your number called. And, you know, you could be riding over to the place – and you could you end up fighting the guy that you sat to in the van on the way there, you know. Yes. And on the geez. way home, <laughs> you know, you try not to ride the same van <laughs> home because <laughs> you knew that didn't go well. But so yeah, I mean, it's 
I sent a whole bunch of roommates I had home. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. Beat them up or they couldn't hang or whatever. And then, yeah. And the next next day they're gone. <laughs> Empty room. Jeez. Bring in the next one. But, yeah, it was kind of fun. Good learning experience. And, yeah. I mean, Sugar Ray was around. Sly was around. Like a lot of the cut guys from the old um, Rocky movies would, okay. be, would be around there, too, with their gold necklaces and their, you know, gold watches and stuff like that. So, so I saw some cool things. A lot of good coaches came through there too, but I was in the best shape of my life, uh, for sure. In the boxing and stuff? Yeah. Just like from the cardio and that? Yeah. I mean, we did three hours boxing specific and then we did, um, road work, which is like on the beach, like peer to peer. So it's probably like three or four miles. Road work? Like, yeah. Like for, that's a Pepe thing. They call it road work. You gotta get in your road work, but it actually wasn't on a road. (laughs) <laughs> I think he was used to training in other places, like Puerto Rico. But anyway, he, uh, yeah, we had to run like peer to peer every day too. So yeah, so it was like you know three four hours of training every day, a lot of it cardio. Yeah. So, yep. So then, what was the transition? Was it that then you're like, what do I want to do after? Like, how did when did you decide? Hey, I want to be a chiropractor. Actually, I was already accepted in school before yeah, before I left for. Even when I was done with college, I was already pre-accepted. So when I uh, my story into chiropractic was that I had a I had a neck injury in high school, and I was told I'd never play contact sports again. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, pretty frustrated with that. But also in a small school, I mean we we're nine man, right? So if I didn't play, we kind of like almost didn't have a team. Yeah, <laughs> I mean big. Yeah, I mean we co-op sports with another town to be a nine man team. So that gives you a reference of, um, so, uh, so yeah, I got hurt and wanted to play of course, but also just didn't want to be in pain all the time. So Mm -hmm. sought out a bunch of different kind of therapies, massage and acupuncture and medicine didn't work. And, you know, so I'm walking around with like, you know, a kinked, kinked neck for a long time, like weeks, months, probably. Um, but anyway, uh, asked, asked a I guess a family friend and whatever went to a chiropractor and it was like three visits and I had full range like full ra- neck range of motion again and yeah and no pain and they said you should go back in to whoever said you couldn't play again and just check so I went in and I'll never forget the way it was even said to me so I'm, a, I'm like a 16 year old kid and uh, it was like yeah whatever they did you can play again so it's like, okay, so like next season or, you know, and he was like, no, nah, you can play Friday. So I went from never playing again to you can play the same season this week. Wow. And um, so I was, I was very um, uh, kind of um, conflicted with that as an answer. You know, as a 16-year-old, like well, how come – that's a big discrepancy, mm-hmm. like going from never playing to you can play Friday. Yeah. And so I was just curious about – the potential and if it can do that in three weeks then what could it do in a lifetime you know and so i was just curious and set out when i was at bemidji i was biology and chemistry pre-chiropractic okay. so i knew from day one i never changed a major which i think what's the average just like seven changes in a right it's a, I'm it's sure a lot for especially for football guys on a yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 10 for football players at least and uh because they flunked out of three yeah they <laughs> and um no i never changed science i was a science guy through and through pre-chiropractic and uh 
you know, I took a little detour with sports that I didn't expect I would have had the opportunity to do. Yeah. And then um, came back around and, and went to school. I remember the admissions people, like, at the chiropractic school, they were like, so wait, you're what now? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to play football for <laughs> this team in, out in Boston. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll just uh, we'll just extend your acceptance, you know. And you're yeah. only supposed to get, like, six months or something extended. And I call back, like, hey, I'm going to play another season. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then the, the third one was kind of weird because, like, yeah, I'm going to um, – I took this job boxing in LA <laughs> and they're like, wait, what now? <laughs> so you're anyway. making this up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Came back and did school, banged it out in like three, three and a half years, basically. Nice. Uh, I got an internship at finish line mm-hmm. and, uh, did that for my first internship. And, and the, there was an associate doc that left she she was uh she was pregnant at the time so yep. she she took her maternity. What year is this? This had been two thousand and uh, must have been two thousand ten. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she took a maternity leave and I was an intern, but I was like eager. You know, I was I knew I was doing this from day one, so I was already mm-hmm. doing a lot of marketing and you know figuring out how to grow professionally. Mm-hmm. And so I came in and uh, as an intern took over her patient base and then doubled it. Awesome. And when she came back, she's basically like, I don't want to do this. I, she, she went on the, <laughs> yeah, who are these people? <laughs> yeah. I don't. <laughs> so she, she just left. So then, okay. uh, uh, the doc I was working for, was like, is it Jim? Well, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Jim. Yeah. Was like, would you, uh, stay, would you stay another internship? And I did and just kept rocking. And then I had one more opportunity to intern. So rather than taking all three at the same spot, I, um, you know, I gave it up basically. And okay. the agreement was if I would stay, I could keep it, you know, so I could, I could come out of school just with a full set of books, Nice, you know, which is like, you know, I was seeing like a hundred and some people a week, which is like kind of what people end with in their career instead of start with per week, you know, so it was a pretty good base, um, but just wanted to see greener grass basically, you know, so of course went to California, try to find some green grass there and yeah. Uh, I had an awesome internship there, Dr. Ralph up in Ventura. Um, I lived with my brother at the time, and in, in, um, he lived in, like, Cyprus area. So okay. it's, like, by Anaheim kind of. Okay. SoCal. And I was like, oh, that'd be no problem. It's, like, you know, 30 miles. Oh, yeah, L.A. 30 miles is different than a oh my northern God. Minnesota 30 miles. The, the fastest I ever made it was three and a half hours. And that was at, like, <laughs> leaving at three in the morning. So yeah. you talk about, like... <laughs> That's a different world than where you grew up, huh? Oh, yeah, for sure. North Dakota, you're driving 30, 30 miles. You're, you're getting 30. It's going to take you 30 minutes or less probably yeah. there. But, yeah. So, yeah, I was like, you know, it didn't really account for that. I figured if it was double or even triple, it'd be all right. But it was like five times the, you know, time Yeah, that's crazy. that I thought. And so, uh, yeah, it was it was a long haul. So what I did was I was like, I'm dedicated. I, I said I'd be there. I'm going to be there. And so what I did was I was like, I asked Doc Ralph, can I just can I just work all my hours uh, like in like on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and for the week? I'll just do 12 hour days. OK. And uh, so he let me bunch them together. So what I do is I'd go up there on a Tuesday morning. I'd leave at like two or three in the morning, get there at like whenever it opened work for 12 hours, go to the gym, shower, sleep in my car, wake up, 
<laughs> going to the gym, yeah. work out, shower, get ready for clinic, work 12 hours, back to the gym, you know? So I mean, <laughs> I basically lived like a homeless person. <laughs> but I was like, whatever it takes, you know? And that's the stuff, like, I think getting into professional careers, like, you know, I was like so set that it was going to, it was meant to be that I was just going to do whatever it took. So, and Doc, I remember Doc Ralph was always like, man, I can't believe you make that drive all the t- all week long. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. It's, he's like, you can stay on my couch. You don't have to drive that whole way. And I was like thinking like, oh, man, if you only knew I was sleeping in my truck outside the LA Fitness or whatever it was. But actually, to be honest with you, I kind of had a good setup. Like I put a nice little, uh, you know, camping scenario in the back yeah. of the Jeep. Oh, there you go. And uh, I'll never forget it. I was probably my second or third weekend of doing this. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, in California, it's legal. You can sleep in your car. I'm sure you weren't the only one doing that. So I was. So yeah, this is the part of the story. So I was. I was in the back, you know, having my little camp out. And uh, it was back when they had the phones. They they started making them with like a flip, like a kickstand. Okay. You could yeah. flip it out of the phone. It was like a prop up. Yeah, I think mine's got a. Mine's yeah. Got a kickstand. So yeah. Like that kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like up. the first models to do that. So you'd back in like 2011 you'd be watching in the back of your jeep yeah i'd be watching movies but i'm like this is great <laughs> nobody's bugging me and i remember seeing like home actual homeless people that didn't have cars to sleep and i'm like man i'm on top of the world yeah, right here perspective right yeah there, so yeah man so dedicated to the craft and yeah came back and uh took my first job so, so what years were you out in california uh that was an Doing internship that? that one was uh probably like three or four months long in 2011 i graduated so in 2011 came back um and that was kind of that was that was quite the thing too so i came back from my internship partly because my dad got diagnosed with cancer like not long before that and so it was kind of it gave me a kind of a little bit of a real moment and kind of deciding like do i really want to be out here looking for you know something made up you know Mm -hmm. And, and and start from scratch with really no like people out here around me that I know and no family really except for my brother which was four hours away <laughs> um yeah. and he didn't want to be out there either anyway but um so yeah I just decided to come back and you know figured out what I did learn is I just had a pretty good setup you know so I came back to where I kind of learned how to do it at finish line and um within my first I think it was my s- two weeks first two weeks of practice uh i knew something wasn't right coming back but i basically i moved back to minnesota um dad was sick moved i actually called i didn't have money to come home <laughs> poor student so i i got a credit card i'll yeah. never forget it actually i have it i have it here i got a discover card and uh i told him that i was dr james it still says dr james on the card <laughs> But I wasn't technically yet because I hadn't gone through graduation yet. Yeah. And I was, like, trying to get approved for a, a credit card. Well, it sounded good. Yeah, it yeah. sounded good, yeah, apparently. So they they were like, well, hold on. They're like, um, we'll see what you can get you approved for. So they, they come back on, you know, put me on hold. They come back on, and I said, like, we approved you for, like, $10,000, <laughs> Dr. James. <laughs> and I'm like, uh... I'll just take the five hundred bucks. <laughs> like I didn't need, I didn't need, nor did I want anything to do with thousands of dollars. I just need enough money to have gas yeah, to, to get home. home. So I don't know what they approved. It, it was probably a thousand bucks. But I, I took the card knowing that there wasn't like that much on it. 
So instead of waiting till like on the drive home, you know, it's probably 30 hours home. I drove instead of waiting till my gas tank was empty. I made sure I had enough in case of this discover card. Cause not everywhere takes discover, right? Yeah. If they didn't take my car to have at least enough gas to get to the next gas station. Oh, and hopefully, yeah. So I made it back on a credit card. So yeah, dad was kind of going through something credit card deal and then took my first job out of school. My second week of practice, uh, I got approved for, this is back when 24 was the cut, right, for health insurance. So I got kicked off okay, my family's. Yeah. Plus, I had been on sports teams, right, so I had insurance through teams and stuff. But I yeah. was like 20, I don't know, 8 or 9 then. So, um, well, I knew something was up. So I got, uh, I talked to an insurance guy to get insurance. But I had never went through this process. So I didn't really know much about insurance and that there was su- such thing as an underwriting process. Okay. So I said to the guy, if, you know, he said, I said, am I covered? He said, yep, you're covered. I said, so if I break my arm, I can go in and I'm covered, right? He's like, yeah. But this is back when, like, pre-existing conditions were an issue. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I got my thing, went in, saw a specialist, and, uh, yeah, my second week of practice, diagnosed with cancer. And it was, um, like, locally invasive, had a tumor. What was this thing? You had something in your... No, I had, uh, it was testicular cancer, so I had okay. uh, seminoma, um, and it was a uh, deal where I had to have a tumor taken out. I was supposed to do chemo and radiation. I didn't do it. And I was a, I was a guru for, like, nutrition and fitness and, mm-hmm. um, like, detoxing. So I was all over that and um, had some good mentors in that. And uh, just decided not to do the traditional Western route. and do. I didn't want more chemicals and chemo and radiation. And, and so I'd, I did a cleansing okay. um, process, and I developed my own protocol. Uh, using supplements that were like doctor grade supplements just put together how I thought it should go and um, I mean for the better part of a year I did I cleansed I mean the works like juicing and coffee enemas and taking powders and pills and um, eating raw food and uh, so um, and actually that was actually misdiagnosed twice the so cancer had, was or? yeah so I had an ultrasound done and uh they were like, yeah, it looks like some kind of infection. And I'm like, so they gave me antibiotics. And then they, and then I went in again. I'm like, I knew something. I mean, I've been to school for 10 years at this point. I mean, we actually even like, you know, we're trained on how to like feel for like a tumor mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff. And I was like, eh, I think this probably <laughs> might be more to it. I mean, yeah. I'm still a student basically, but I, and so, yeah, um, went in again, another misdiagnosis. And, uh, again, I didn't have any money and I, d- I wasn't covered now insurance. So I, s- I went to a specialist at like a, he, I think it was a volunteer, like a volunteer doc. It did like once a month rotation and I went in, sat down and I'll never forget. He goes, all right, so we're having surgery tomorrow. And I'm like, what? And he's like, shit, they didn't tell you, did they? And literally like sets the clipboard back down, leaves the room. Oh, wow. What type yeah. of feeling was that? Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> intense. But, I mean, so I'm just sitting in there now by myself wondering what the hell's going on. Because, I mean, there was, like, talk about it being an infection and now he's not really known. Yeah. yeah. And then tomorrow's, like, the cutting board. So came back in with, I think it was, like, five white coats came back in. And we're like, yeah, you you have, like, an aggressive, like, it's a expansile tumor and it's it's locally invasive and um 
yeah, we need to, you need to call the people you care about and you need to go to surgery like tomorrow. So yeah, that was, I'd say a very pivotal point, uh, for a lot of things, but just perspective and, um, you know, it was like all or none kind of, that was, you know, when I recovered, so I had that tumor removed and then, um, when I recovered, um, I, I came back into practice and people were kind of like, what, you know, what'd you do? My, my, my spouse has what you have. We want to do what you did. I'm like, here's the disclaimer. (laughs) Uh, I don't know that it's a cured thing at all. Like I don't, I don't, it's never been done. So Mm -hmm. the way I did it is my own way. There's no claims that can be made that this works even, but I'm still standing. They're like, we don't care. We just want to do what you did. So we started, I started using it on people that had cancer history and inflammation history and um and not only did their symptoms get better but like also like a lot of people with cancer had other chronic inflammatory mostly preventable illnesses mm. so like obesity and diabetes and fibromyalgia yeah. and crohn's and celiac and ibs and all these other all fundament fundamental kind of yeah inflammatory things, yeah. underlying conditions right so we started using then when those cases came in those are getting better like people are getting off of their meds left and right and so you know when they were getting better i was like let's just let's just um, start using this protocol on that stuff right when we see it. And boom, like one after another, predictable reversal of chronic illness. And so, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're not supposed to say we cure it, but I'm just going to say, like, those people don't have it anymore. <laughs> so yeah. you can ask them uh, about it. But What was uh, some? What was the kind of the process, if you don't, don't mind sharing, like what was? Yeah, so it's a dietary regimen. Basically, okay. it's like a low-inflammatory diet. Um, which people hate, but it's like a, it's like paleo. It's like hunter gather, uh, okay. um, paleo diets, basically like vegetables and meat and berries. Sweet. And it's not a, it's not really a restrictive in the way of like, you're going to be starving yourself or like, you know, during this detox process, you're just eating like a certain group of foods. Yeah. Certain foods yeah. that just don't cause as much inflammation. Mm-hmm. And actually the cleanse doesn't even actually work as well if you don't eat a lot. So, because at some point it's got to come out of you. You know, so if you're if you're skimping and if you're eating just like lettuce for three weeks, it's not going to work as well. So anyway, yeah, so we we did this cleansing process, started kind of reversing, regulating hormones, and in people, essentially, when the inflammation comes down enough, basically physiology gets regulated. And so, like people that have had chronic issues, you know, for years, some of them twenty years or more, uh, now they could come in and do something that would basically like kind of as a shotgun approach to like greatly improving that scenario mm-hmm. internal like physiology scenario yeah. and so yeah we've had great success with that and you put that on top of chiropractic which influences the system that runs every other system in your body it's a pretty good place to start when you got a chronic illness um and so we you know we're improving that directly with adjustments and put the chemical piece with it and man we, we've had really good successes with that so but but when I came back into practice and started, you know, seeing this stuff, like it became very clear to me uh, what my mission was at that point. And so, you know, I, I went through um, a ton of medical expenses. I had about a, you know, close to a quarter million dollars in school debt at this time. Yeah, I came out of Bemidji geez. State with no debt. Yeah. You know, I was on scholarship and, um, you know, didn't have any loans. At yeah, that low time. tuition. There. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I came out of my undergrad with two uh, biology chemistry degree and part of my master's. I did. A, I was the first Beaver Pride GA. Did you know that? Oh no, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. So started actually the late great Dr. Trax, who just pa- who passed yeah. away, um, fairly recent. Um, great mentor of mine. Um, you know, head of the chemistry department for years there, and um, was just great, great to me on a lot of different levels. But he, uh, yeah, he passed away. But he. Um, you know, he he basically set up that first grad assistantship. They they've been talking about doing a Beaver Pride coordinator. So basically, Bemidji State, the Beavers, they wanted to have like a grad assistantship that pretty much kind of like helped with events, set up tailgating. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. kind of did all the grunt work for like getting involvement, essentially yeah. to like people that donate money and alum and stuff. So yeah, that was the first one. So I was like hustling, you know, around like setting up events and tearing down events and setting up booster well, that's important i mean that's like, like that. a big thing now like all the homecoming like that's a big event and all that stuff like yeah people love it yeah oh yeah it looks a lot different than when we started we had like the snow fences around the <laughs> down the um keg truck <laughs> and yeah nowadays it looks different over there but which is awesome it's cool to see well actually it's even like it's a couple posi- like jobs paid jobs now yeah. i think but so but anyway i came out of school with but Midgey, no debt, and then in grad school, took on a huge debt. And then on top of that, medical expenses now for not being covered and having a what they deem to be pre-existing condition. And so, you know, with the pressures of that financial piece and then just knowing what I knew with what I could do with my profession, it was like pedal to the metal. And just never looked back and, um, yeah, just started kind of just growing that practice like crazy and, you know, it was like it was kind of like, kind of like shutting the back door, you know. Like there's no there's no back door. There's no way to go back. Like for mm-hmm. sure you're getting through it. Um, but I mean, you know, sitting sitting in my first two weeks of the of work, you know, with like cancer, kind of you know, there's kind of all these stages of when you go through something like cancer. I think it's like you get these phases of like you feel kind of like there's no way it's me, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, more than especially how healthy more than a hundred people told me like you're like when I think of healthy, like you're the person that I think of more than a hundred people told me that I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Definitely have cancer. Uh, so, um, yeah, so there's a, a lot of learning took place in that short amount of time. I'd say that. So, but I, yeah, I just made a decision like, you know, Oh, so let's say yeah, so you feel kind of bad for yourself and like, no way it's me and stages of depression and what, you know, anxiety and what are we going to do next? And yeah. what if it comes back and like all this stuff. So I just really had to like get laser focused on what I could control. And that's what led to a lot of the successes I've had, I think professionally now. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate that sometimes it takes something like that big, I think life event wise to really get us, dialed in on what we um our potentials could be but Mm -hmm. for me that was it became pretty clear you know it's what i had to do so so yeah and here i am haven't died yet so yeah (laughs) yeah wow i didn't know a lot about a lot of that but so yeah i used to never tell that stuff you know and i think um what i've learned um working with just friends of mine and uh one of my friends, Rene Rodriguez, um, he's That's a, a name. yeah, he yeah, he's got a uh, some coaching stuff he does on like you know telling your story, basically mm-hmm. um, framing up your story and how impactful that can be 
Um, but I mean, I, I held that pretty close to my heart for a, for a long time. You're just kind of worried of being vulnerable and you just vulnerability and, um, you know, like using protocols that have never been done before, mm-hmm. um, worrying what people might think. And, uh, you know, as I get older in time, I remember, I remember I actually wrote a thank you letter to cancer one time. Um, and the reason was because literally if I wouldn't have went through that, there's, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people that would never have had the education that I, that I had to learn myself. And I gave that to them and they reverse diseases. Like a lot of people have used that protocol. You can, I mean, you could, you could sit in the lobby and just ask people that come through, like, you know, what do you know about this protocol or, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a unique, I think place too, because a lot of people do come there for chemical stress. It's not like a typical like neck and back clinic, you know, mm-hmm. you know, people are coming there for like weight loss and they're coming there for nutrition and come in there for advice on how to like change their health on a chemical Talk level. About finish line. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. So, um, anyway, you know, without, without my experience with it, uh, you know, that would have been missed. So, so it allowed you to have that perspective and experience to like share. Yeah. Kind of be a, yeah. Yeah. And if you look at, I think most of the testimonials, like the most impactful testimonials, uh, like reverse anxiety, reverse disease, like that's, that came from cleansing. You know, I think chiropractic played a role in it for sure. But a lot of it came from cleansing chemically. That's powerful. I mean, that really changes someone's life. Like Mm -hmm. you're super anxious or obese and then you're able to help those things. Like that's crazy. Yeah. How much that helps someone in the long term. Like, Oh yeah, it's life changing awesome. for sure, and I'll, I'll see it all the time too. Um, like we're like a a mom or a dad will do it, and then pretty soon like grandma and grandpa start doing it, or like the kids got you know the kids got better. Like now the kid sleeps, or the kid doesn't wet the bed, or the kid like is getting better grades, and that's all because like the parents were just eating healthier for three weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm like three weeks, man. You know, if you were a parent and you didn't have to like you know, deal with whatever behavioral issue or complaints from teachers because they could just dial it in for a month. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure most parents would probably do that if they could, if they could know the outcome. And so, you know, we see it all the time. So, you know, we're, we'll pitch it and, you know, it's kind of like, I wouldn't say well received even still, but you know, but it's grown internally. Just cause it's different or. Yeah. It's just like, what can that really do? Or like, you know, I grew up in the age of like, I eat, you know, Wheaties with dairy milk every morning and I didn't have these issues, you know? So you see, you know, these disgruntled parents like with no answers and probably spent a ton of money, a ton more money at other places than they'd ever spent at our place, uh, on stuff that didn't work. And so they're frustrated. Like a lot of people yeah. are with chronic illness. They've, they've, you know, you take like a fibromyalgia patient they've probably spent thousands, tens of thousands or more on like a bunch of stuff, medication and appointments that haven't helped them. And so, you know, for, you know, a few hundred bucks and actually some education, a little like self-discipline, you know, you can go a long way, but it's just, we live in a society that's really pushing an inflammatory life. Yeah. And, um, and also, I just say too, like we got to be careful what we're comparing to because, like, our neighbors are sick too. So if it's just like, well, I eat better than most people I'm around, or I yeah. make better decisions, like, be careful because you may eat better than them, but they're sick too. You mm-hmm. know, statistically, that's 
what we got. It's what we've developed. And you're talking about like those chronic sicknesses like diabetes or yeah. those other things. Obesity, Crohn's, heart yeah. disease, fibromyalgia, IBS, all the GI stuff, mm-hmm. Crohn's, celiac, IBS, um, PCOS, a lot of fertility, PCOS issues, menstrual cycle issues, fertility problems. I mean, that stuff's all like, you know, hormone inflammation related at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are some people like they have a problem like one of those things? but they're not willing to do your protocol or all the things it takes because they're not, they don't want to change their diet or. Yeah. Which is laughable. I mean, like from what we see, Mm -hmm. you know, on our end, but, um, you know, if, if, cause if, if it were just that, that changed it, like, wouldn't that be worth it? I mean, people, it's crazy how resistant people are. Um, and part of it's just, you know, like we got a small niche. Mm -hmm. I always say to my, my staff is that we just need a bigger microphone you know, like a lot of people don't know what the hell we're doing. And like, we love the people we treat and the, you know, our clinic and it's, it's grown a lot. We've, you know, got a good, um, patient base of people that are, I would say, I think we take pride in that. They're pretty, pretty educated base. Um, they get the idea of preventative and wellness, you know, versus just like pain care. Yeah. But even still, that's just our hundreds and thousands, right? It's just not like, it's not like millions. Mm-hmm. So, and I really believe that that's the level that we need to get to. So, do you feel like it's going that way? People are more looking more at like the natural. Well, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, you know, in this COVID world, it's crazy because, um, you know, realistically, people that are dying are people that have pre existing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's the people that are already have a chronic illness that's probably caused by inflammation that probably should have been getting dealt with, mm-hmm. right? And so, hmm. I guess with COVID or without it or whatever the heck COVID is, like the same rules apply. Mm-hmm. Like if if we're gonna think like a f- vaccine is gonna bail us out, I'm like I think I my belief is that's that's the wrong way of thinking. Because if it's just we tack on a vaccine and still live the same lifestyle, then we Not we might be trending the foundation. We might be trending the same way that caused the first disease. Mm-hmm. But look at how many people have multiple, right? Look at inflammatory diseases and how many people do you know with that have obesity and diabetes and a heart condition. It's like if they just didn't have inflammation, they could get rid of all of them potentially or prevent, could have prevented of all. So like the same rules apply. We still need to be trying to reduce inflammation and and boost immunity, you know, like adjustments boost between two and 300% immunity. Like nobody even knows that. I mean, that number is staggering. If you, if you knew in the world of, right. And you become, and you come into chiropractic your whole life. Yeah, and in between two hundred, three hundred percent, so what the research says. I'm like, even as a chiropractor, I'm reading that. I'm like, that. How does the whole world not know that? Especially now. Yeah. Like, if you could just say, hmm, who out, who out here would like two hundred percent boost in their immunity? Right. Yeah, you'd have a line out the door. <laughs> you would think. I mean, there should be at least a bigger line than the vaccine line. Yeah. Right. Which actually tanks your immunity because it causes inflammation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it causes chemical stress, which lowers inflammation like stress does or excuse me, lowers immunity like stress will do mm-hmm. to us. So yeah, I think it's just, again, you know, we've been doing talks on this for 10 years, you know, I, more than that, 15 years. I mean, even in school I was doing talks on like inflammation and weight loss and, and chronic disease. Hmm. So I'm just, you know, I'm kind of like sitting here, like, you know, the same rules apply to what we're being ex- you know exposed to apparently like right now it's like we we still have to focus on what we control just like me when i had cancer yeah. too, focus on what i can control 
I can reduce inflammation, change the pH in my body where cancer can't exist. That's where it has to go. The focus has to change on what we can, can control. And for Americans, we're, you know, we're the sickest country in the world, basically, every year in, in how we rank for health, and we pay the most to be the sickest. We pay at least double any other country. So, so it's like, okay, if we pay double any other, for any product, like you buy this shoe, you buy a shoe and you pay yeah. double for it, you probably should have at least the best shoe around. Yeah. No, we have the worst shoe. We have the worst <laughs> worst health rankings consistently among industrialized countries in the world. Yeah. So we have the worst product and we pay the most, at least double any other country. So it's not working. And mm-hmm. on top of that, life expectancy has dropped. So for the first time ever, you know, at least, you know, we live longer lives, but it was more medicated and surgical, you mm-hmm. know. And we'd be living longer, but it wasn't like if you ask your grandpa and grandma and their grandpa and grandma, it's like it wasn't like happier, healthier last ten dec you know, ten years of life. Yeah. It was sedentary, medicated, and immobile. Mm-hmm. So we were living longer for a while. But the but quality of the yeah. quality of life wasn't there. And until now, guess what? Like when we were like, Oh, that'll probably catch up to us. Like we can't just keep covering up things. Mm-hmm. That's now. And that was before COVID, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that was already caught up to us. Our life expectancy has dropped, and our quality of life the last decade or two is worse than it's been ever. Um, So, yeah, it has to change. We need a major paradigm shift if we're going to change how we look at, if we want to actually have a shot at at, um, slowing down the, what's, you know, everybody's worried about the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but there's an epidemic that's already been happening for decades in the United States, an epidemic of chronic preventable disease. That doesn't get talked about. Nobody's even talking about it. And coincidentally, the only people really dying from this COVID thing are the people that have those other epidemic Mm -hmm. diseases that also have this pandemic virus now. Yeah. So exposing the. Again, yeah. It's just one plus one equals 10 sometimes in the way of these kind of things. You can't take on, you know, more sometimes if you're already maxed out in your body system. So that's where it's at. And that's that's just what we've seen in my practice, and you yeah. know how we how we address chronic, especially preventable disease. But yeah, you make really good points. Like a, in one part, like when I lived in Germany, like the food at the grocery store, like the meats and stuff, I could tell like the quality was in the meats, and that was just you could just tell by the taste and everything. It was it was better. Yeah, like. There was more exercise, like people walked everywhere, like there was old ladies. I remember I went, I was walking to a friend's house late at night, you know, like 11 at night, there's an old lady with a, with a walker, you know, they were getting out moving and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like that food. And like when I, I, I sprained my ankle over there and I had this treatment where they like put lasers and stuff kind of on my yep. ankle and it was like, I talked to my uh, kind of sports doctor here and he's like yeah most clinics don't have that because insurance doesn't cover it mm-hmm. so there's only like one and like usually only professionals get that but it was like you know everyone if you just had made issue, sense yeah yeah it just made sense it's the best next option yeah 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 that's a whole nother level of things like even if people want certain care it's just they don't get it just because of like an insurance coverage yeah. which is insane to me i never thought that like insurance would dictate how much care i could give to somebody Mm-hmm. But that's the reality of it. It's like, you know, someone will come in and they'll need, you know, a certain amount of visits for their care plan based on 
objectivity, like their intake form, history, examination, orthopedic tests, and x-rays. Pretty objective stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, they come in and they get a ranking, health ranking, and then we say, this is what you need. You need 20, you need 25 visits, but your, your insurance plan only gets 24. And that's if they want to cover those 24. They can also just not. So it's like, you know, people are really in a predicament as far as... One, one thing we've never done is, like let insurance plans based on number of visits covered or something like that dictate someone's care plan. Yeah. We just tell them you need this many visits. If you have the coverage, use your insurance. And if you don't, you're going to have to pay cash. It's not going to change what I recommend. So, and I don't think everywhere does that, but yeah. But yeah, I'm, to I'm your sure point, people appreciate the honesty. You know? Yeah. Well, luckily we've grown enough to where we can, you know, we can do that. Like we don't have to bend just to, f- you know, hopefully get people to start up on care. We just tell them, this is how we've done it. It's worked. So this is what you need. Yeah. <laughs> Take it or leave it. But yeah, so that's been a pretty good position for, for the growth. But then over time when people, I think value that, you know, you can, I always tell my staff, my associate docs, like you can tell, you can tell the quality of like somebody that's doing care with somebody that, um, like a doctor that converts like a patient that had free care, like, like basically they didn't pay anything for their cover for their first, like say 20 visits in your office. Okay. And then now they have to start paying, but they're also not in pain anymore. It's like they got to really value what you've done for them at that yeah. point, right? Or like another case is like work comp issues or like auto accidents where like their ins- car insurance or their work comp case will cover their care like fully. And they're in a ton of pain. Mm-hmm. And then you get them better. And now they have to pay for care, but they want to see- keep paying for it out of pocket because they valued it so much. Yeah. That's that shows that's good health care in my opinion. You know, where they're willing to pay for it beyond their insurance. That's, you know, I think it's just, it's too dictated. Yeah. You know, plus these adjusters, they don't know what the hell they're doing as far as cutting people off. And, um, you know, I mean, I can't, I remember just the other day, I remember talking to an adjuster and they're like, well, we're not going to cover this person's care because um, there's a shoulder assessment and, um, you know, you're treating this person for neck. And I'm like, it's an orthopedic test called shoulder depression, but it's a neck orthopedic test so like they don't even know what you know they're denying care based on um lack of education yeah they wouldn't know so but getting into this i just had no clue that that would even be a thing i'm like how would they doubt what i think as a doctor like i went to school for 10 10 years for this but because of the name of it and they didn't understand it they were trying to deny this care wow so it's all crazy scenarios but do you have some ideas of how to i mean you're talking about inflammation and just kind of how or society is, do you have any solutions or the kind of ideas of how, you know, you've helped people, but it, to get it to the masses, like how would, do you have any ideas on that or? Well, um, inflammation for sure. There's kind of different phases of it. Like for one, just not putting more inflammation in that's helpful, but like we do a lot of detoxing where it's, you're taking what's probably bioaccumulated for your whole life or even before you're on earth, like through the umbilical cord, toxicity can pass through the umbilical cord. They've seen this on lots of different studies, but they, I remember a CNN study they had and they showed like, they tested umbilical cords after delivery. Yeah. And there was up to 200 chemicals in the umbilical cord, Jeez. like man-made chemicals, some of which carcinogenic. So cancer wow. causing chemicals and some others that we just don't know what they do to, to, a fetus <laughs> in the umbilical cord getting passed right through. So like, you know, little Johnny could be born with his cup half full already. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, 
you know, mom and dad can't figure out why he can't focus in school and why he's peeing the bed and why he's like, you know, attention deficit and all these things. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, dad's pissed because he ate Wheaties his whole life too. And like, how come he can't handle it? You know, and it's like, well, he started with his cup half full, you know, and by the time he's vaccinated and eating like crap and dairy and gluten and all the preservatives that yeah. are in food now and all the pesticides and herbicides and genetically modified, mm-hmm. the cup's spilling stacks, over, yeah. you know, and it looks different than when the generation before was there and the generation before that. So it bioaccumulates. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like toxicity, toxicity will bioaccumulate into fat. Not fat cells, but the fat part of cell, all cells. And um, unless we have a way to get that out, um, it can just be handed over. So, yeah, so what can people do? Yeah, they can look at, like, reducing their exposures. So there's really three types of toxicity. So you're looking at, like, chemical toxicity. Yeah. Um, that'd be, like, what people know to be, like, cleaners, detergents, you know, chemicals. What people most people think of as chemicals. You know, um, makeup, okay. you know, things like that. Um, then there's the second type would be, like, biotoxin. That's, like, black mold. That'd be like lime. Okay. And that that one stays dormant kind of in the system. So you can like reduce the symptoms that are showing up, but it's really hard to like get that one gone. Okay. It just kind of hangs around. That's why, you know, if you've ever met somebody like Lyme disease or like black mold, I mean, it's like extremely uh, life-changing if it gets to a certain level for people with fatigue issues and mental problems. But, and then then the last part is like heavy metal toxicity. Okay. And that's more like dealing with, um, you know, like mercury, you know, and things like that, you know. And I don't mean just like the number of fish you eat per year. Like they always talk about like, the well, we're in Minnesota, 10,000 lakes. So you always hear about like you should only eat so many fish per year because there's, you know, mercury in the water or whatever. So, but it's like if you look at like amalgam fillings in your mouth, that's mercury, Okay. So the second most toxic substance on planet Earth. I think it's behind like radioactive plutonium would be like number one. And so people like, are getting that in their teeth. Right. Like fill. Okay. So they call them silver fillings, but it's mer- it's mercury. Okay. A heavy toxic heavy metal that causes a ton of issues. Um, I was saying like the toxic are doing. It's always like the good news is that it only is going to leach into your tissues if you can if in your mouth where this mercury is at, if there's a change in temperature, pressure, or friction. So as long as there's none of those, then you have nothing to worry about, right? <laughs> so okay. all day and night, yeah. there's changes in, every time you breathe, temperature, right? Yeah. Pressure, when you, do have a when you bite, <laughs> chew, grind your teeth at night, Yeah. you know? It's impossible. Friction, yeah. yeah. So, and in the... In the and that can leach the vapors leach off into tissues, but not just like in your mouth, your brain, it's all the tissues in your body. So, yeah. So there's gotta be a way to get, get that out. And that's like a, that's a different type of detox. That's like they call chelation with heavy metals. But anyway, yeah. So, so getting rid of toxicity would be like another way to reduce inflammation greatly. Um, but you just, you know, I think the question is like, how do you rank, you know, how do you know where you're at? How do you know what you need? And that just takes clinical experience, honestly. Um, at first, I didn't know much about how to do it clinically. I just, you know, made up my own thing based on kind of what I learned and knew, and it worked, and now it keeps working. So, 
but that's that can be the tough part because it's like where do you find it you know yeah who does it access best who does it right yeah. yeah there's a lot of variables you know not everybody's gonna react to the same protocol the same way mm-hmm. so yeah just a little bit of practice you know that's why they call it practice trial and error yeah and um but you can honestly with where most people rank as far as d- disease goes like you you could just do most commons like <laughs> what's the best thing you know how to do like give me the best thing you got and it's going to make a difference mm. you know we're going to see a lot of improvements just with most commons stick to most commons yeah you know like sugar causes inflammation most common mm-hmm. dairy causes inflammation good place to start gluten causes inflammation you know those are good places to start right away it's just easy you know and then from there you know this protocol is worked most commonly <laughs> so it's just that's r- that's how we start and then from there it's not going it to be harmful to you it's only going to help yeah pretty much saying, yeah pretty much yeah gotcha. um it's not like people don't have adversity i mean you know people doing detoxes or i was asking like so do i need to take like days off work or <laughs> you mean to be by the toilet no usually not if you do then you know again we learn from that and we got a mm-hmm. then you got a more serious issue but we got to cater it, you know, it's just not run of the mill. Like you got to scale it to whatever body size people are and their level of toxicity. And we got to go, we got to figure that out. But here's what most people don't know. How do you rank? You know, how do you know? How do you know where your nervous system pressure is at? How do you know how you rank chemically? Most people just don't know. At least like, you know, take like the dental industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, pretty much everybody gets like their teeth looked at once or twice a year, right? Yeah. So they've done a good job at least teaching us like, Without thinking about it, we just wait for the text. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got an appointment on Tuesday. Thanks for that. Thanks for that reminder. And then we go in and we do it, right? Yeah. How many people get a text reminder and twice a year go in for their chiropractic adjustments? I'll tell you, less than ten percent do that. So I'd say closer to probably eighty, ninety percent probably go at least to get their teeth checked once mm-hmm. or twice a year. And the, the teeth aren't even the central nervous system that runs every other function of their body. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So the system that even runs the teeth, <laughs> the nerves in the teeth, <laughs> that system doesn't get checked once or twice a year even. Yeah. That's insane. That And that's that's the challenge to the profession, I think. is like we got To what profession? To chiropractic. To chiropractic? Yeah. And to neurology. Like we need to grow the the awareness and the education on like what what is the nervous system what could Mm -hmm. it do for me where's mine been compromised how do i rank most people just have no clue if it's so beneficial why don't more people say hey this is something i should try if it's so you know beneficial and foundational to helping all a lot of other things yeah right and we just don't have we haven't educated apparently enough for people to know yeah how beneficial it could be and so that's that's our challenge you know that's that's what we're up against basically we're up against a western society of medicated and you know live the way we want to live and then just medicated or you know have surgery later just attack the symptoms which, symptoms, which isn't working symptoms, yeah. yeah which isn't working um so yeah and uh you know like look at like medical journals like their own research is that like the number one cause of death not death by disease but number one cause of death medical basically it's even prescribed like correctly diagnosed correctly dosed medication and surgery it's like medical 
don't know if they call them mistakes, but basically the medical model. So, you know, that, that model is not only working, but it's like, it's causing issues. And so we got to have a different way to like approach it. You know, if you've been to other countries, you see kind of like how they approach it from like most commons, like this makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) makes sense to do this next before we cut. Let's try this. Right. Yeah. So it's just different here. We're, we're directed a different way. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. It's a lot though. Yeah. Yeah, That was a lot. That's a lot to, a lot to digest, but I mean, that's like foundational things, but yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, uh, so we, you know, when I started talking as like an intern on this kind of stuff, it was like, you know, I was kind of really like tiptoeing around like what people, cause it's so different. It's different. It's mm-hmm. still even different. I think people are war- warming up to it, but it's so different than what we hear every, every single other place we go. We're basically not hearing that same message, right? It's like, um, I always tell people like avoid foods with, with food claims, like added this added vitamin D added whatever, but like, you know, look at commercials and look at, I mean, it's literally everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. And now with like social media, we're just getting bombarded with, <laughs> um, I don't even know any call it trickery or, I mean, we're, we're manipulated and what, mm-hmm. you know, it's beyond like subliminal at this point. It's just like blatantly obvious, like, you know, controlled marketing to get us to buy and to, you know, live a certain way here. And it's really affecting just because people are making money off of it. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. Big part and, of it, you know, add preservatives and keep it, keep it longer on the shelf. And if it's longer on the shelf, there's a better chance more people walk by it. They might want to buy it. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's all set up for failure. So, so yeah, it's not, it makes sense to make money, but yeah, to make money. It's yeah, it's worked, but, um, but now we all pay more for yeah. it. <laughs> so it's, you know, if you break it down in the long run with the cost of healthcare, it's just, it's not working for us. And then you get like an Obamacare. We used to do talks in Obamacare back before it actually even was, started okay it was like two years before it was actually in place and we do them in restaurants so we'd have like a we'd invite people you had to bring it was free to come and listen if you brought a guest so somebody was like okay. a non-patient guest you could nice. come in because we just wanted to like educate right mm-hmm. so they come in we do a whole room full of people eat and then we talk about like these kind of concepts inflammation what's the real s like what's happening right now and then if, you know, if we have a Obamacare system uh, business that wants to insure sick people, basically, America, and we're all going to be able to get it, then we're all just going to pay a lot more, <laughs> which happened. We doubled, doubled again. I know I remember my health insurance one year doubled, and then the very next year doubled again. It was like, no way in two years could have doubled each time. <laughs> yeah. It was nuts for a second there. Um, and people were pissed. Like they, you could literally split the room. You know, you could like this half of the room, these people will never see again. (laughs) And this half will probably be some of the best patients and, um, you know, just relationships we ever have. And it was true. And still to this day, like people still talk about those talks. We predicted it to the penny. Like what would have, what's going to happen long term? Um, and I can't remember. I think we just call them Obamacare talks, but it was like, it's a broken system. I mean, and also we all pay more, but we're also still sick. The underlying yeah, issue so still working, exists. Yeah. yeah. The underlying problems still exist too. So, you know, and I was, I was somebody without healthcare 
had to pay out of pocket. Yeah. And, you know, it'd have been nice to have all of you guys pay for my surgery. <laughs> but, you know, now we do that for everybody. So, but still the, you know, the issues are rising. But like I said, it's the epidemic issues are still an epidemic mm. portion. You know, we're, we're, um, we're talking a lot about a pandemic and we're living also in an epidemic like it of chronic disease like that. Those things haven't gone away. Like you, yeah. know, you don't hear about the flu a whole lot right now. There's still a flu. Like it's, mm-hmm. you don't hear a lot about other chronic diseases and these other things, but they're still there. So, yeah. So, so going back to chiropractic, yeah. I mean, what are some like misconceptions that people have about chiropractic just because a lot of people maybe don't know about it or haven't went oh, in man, and got so an adjustment or oh yeah like will it hurt uh or like if i go will i always have to go yeah. you know i'm always like if you go <laughs> you get to always go and you'll always have a nervous system yeah. and you can always improve the function of that nervous system which controls every other function what a great thing to have and um will it hurt i mean that's probably hurt people before but feels great. It feels Honestly, great. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's a trust thing, you know, like that's yeah. the thing. And it, in, um, it's a different, very unique profession in that like we're physically touching people. Mm-hmm. Right. So with that, if I'm going to physically touch you, there's got, there's a trust barrier that's got to be overcome. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you're going to, you know, and, and there's a lot of things with that. Like if you're educated in what the purpose is, I think it's easier for people to take on. Mm-hmm. Like if they've seen, if we've explained their pictures and their x-rays, you know, like with them and um, explain like how this treatment plan will help them in their, um, I don't even care so much about like pain scales. I always tell my staff that, but like if you didn't have pain, what would you do with it? You know, for example, like, you know, like, Oh Yeah. I like the testimonials aren't saying like, Oh, I had a 10 out of 10 pain when I came in and now I'm like a six out of 10. Like, Oh, great. Testimonial. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. A lot better. No medication. Got it. Good. Um, but also like, Oh, but because you're a six out of 10, mm-hmm. you can lift your kid up now. Yeah. So what do you, you know, is it really about, it's not about the pain. It's like, mm. what would you do with it? Right. Yeah. If it's it was not about gone, a number. Yeah. Right. And it's about like, you know, if you could, yeah, if you didn't have pain, maybe you could run again, and that's cool. Like, I like to run, but, like, why do you like to run? You know, come to find out, like, oh, your mom of three, and you like to run actually to get away from the kids for one hour a day, sure. right? Or, you know, so it's like this, it's actually a mental, it actually helps you emotionally yeah. in your time to, you know, sort your thoughts out and get fresh air, you know, so it's it's just, you know, that there's a bigger purpose for it. And I saw that when I was a 16-year-old kid, you know, because it, you think of the emotional strain for a kid like that. I was that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're never playing sports again, too. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. You can play Friday, same season. Also, you have no neck pain. And um, you're going to get a scholarship to play football, too. And you're going to me- meet your best friends doing it. And then it's going to be your job. So that's my story. So, But, like, everyone has a ranking like that. Yeah. You know, you have your own story with it. And everybody does, so... I just feel like why not? Why not? Basically, yeah. If you're asking about like chiropractic and the r- risk versus reward, I think into like the injury, like we talk about, you know, the risk of injury with it's like v- extremely small. People get way injured? less than medicine. People get injured in a, an adjustment or what? Yeah, I mean it's been t- it's been talked about. Like people like worry about their necks, especially like getting injured. Okay. 
but it's like the statistics are one in 4.3 million, I think is the number. So it's like you're, and even that's like strained sprains and things like that. So it's like, it's pretty low for the reward. Yeah. I mean, you, you're medicine's not way reckless, higher. Yeah. 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 Okay. So why don't you think chiropractor has spread more to like other countries and that? Cause like when I was in Germany, I was like trying to, cause I, you know, the insurance is paid for. And I was like, Hey, if we have insurance cover and everything, I go see a chiropractor and everyone was confused. They didn't said, Oh, you have back issues. What happened to your back? Like you need to see a doctor, like you broke your back or something like they had no yeah. idea. And even when I went to like the, my sports doctor in, in, in Germany, Dr. Kupka, uh, he, he was still like, not sure. Like, and he ended up actually giving me an adjustment. And it was funny cause his English wasn't very good. He was like, give me a kind of like a, the twi- a twist, kind of yeah. like how yeah. you do. He like, whisper to me he said inspiration and i was like what i looked to my i had my teammate with me who was my tra- the translator I said what's he saying inspiration for and then <laughs> yeah. he would talk to him they speak oh, and like he'd take say, a breath he said like resp- respiration like he means like breathe yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah i I think just education yeah honestly. like no one but over he, there knew what chiropractor was i mean only 10 percent of people here and there's 17 schools in our country so like in yeah. germany there i don't even know if there's a school you know, and it's not at every, you know, it's not like going to school for like, like med schools. There's a lot of them in major universities. There's yeah. none, there's no chiropractic schools in the major universities. It's like optometry or something like where it's like a private separate grad school, basically, okay. you know, pretty much. And, um, and so they're, yeah, it's not as just edgy, not as well known as it should be. I don't think. Well, and I mean, so we're I, yeah. growing. That's our challenge. I think as our profession. Yeah, I mean, I definitely believe in chiropractor, obviously, but like, why isn't it integrated with other medical, you know, with me- tri- well, typical medicine? So, I mean, to really get into it, like the medis- medical, I mean, med- medical practice had a regime against chiropractic for a while. And we yeah. actually, we were accused of like causing strokes and we we sued the medical profession and won in federal c- court um, that there's no greater risk in a chiropractic office than there is to a medical office and um and so you know there's kind of accusations about injury and just kind of trying to take us down i guess as a profession um and that was well before i was ever around in doing this but um i I think some of it's just just a threat it's looking at problem-based care instead of symptom chasing and that's a threat to medicine because medicine is looking at a symptom and treating it from that perspective i mean even to talk to people that have been trained, I mean, it's like, it's not even like you can blame them because they're just, they're not trained the same way yeah, we are. Their thinking's kind of different. It's yeah. different. It's like, here's a symptom. Okay, we got this medication to use or what else? Like, what else do they have? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, and we've been trained a lot more, a lot more in nutrition and, you know, like how the function of the body works from a, from a, problem-based standpoint that starts with the nervous system which is the first system to develop even as a fetus <laughs> so before even on earth planet earth like you know it's the first system so it's unique in in dealing with problems from that standpoint but um you know i just he- i hear recommendations like from medicine and from other professions and it's just like you know it's just again I you know i can't really blame them but i'm just like this is not how we think just so. yeah just thought processes aren't yeah. really that aligned and there's a lot fewer of us than there are of medical, medical doctors, doctors yeah. right so 
yeah, until we overcome that, we got a hurdle. But you know, I think yeah, well. I think the ones you know you can ask about. They're, they've done a lot of studies on it, like quality of life, you know, and less missed days at work, mm-hmm. less sick days from people that regularly get adjusted. It's oh, versus not. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting to look at that. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of research on it, and it's good. And you see a chiropractic going into like work workplaces now. Target's got them. You know, you see like bigger corporations awesome. like where they're actually have somebody on staff. Um, even like nursing homes, you know, assisted living homes, like where there's a chiropractor in there all the time. Um, just because it improves the quality of life. And it's been shown all over the place. So, and um, also too, you, t- you take like, you know, the, the chiropractic adjustment. I think one um, hurdle that we might have as a profession too is like there's not going to be a, you know, double blind study on like a chiropractic adjustment or something. Like you could take a placebo sugar pill, <laughs> like you know, yeah. versus a the other white one, and you not, might not know that you know you're taking a sugar pill. But if you get an adjustment, you pretty damn well know yeah, yeah. that your neck just got, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not a adjust- fake adjustment. That wasn't a fake one, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it's you know it's it's going to be case to case, yeah. so it's different. For sure. Well, you're talking a lot about. You know, like diet, because the foods you eat, certain ones cause inflammation. What is like? What does your diet look like after, you know, going through what you went through and teaching mm-hmm. so many people? Like, what's what's yours like? Yeah, well, it's not as good as it used to be. I'll tell you that. Yeah. But uh, you know, but it's like I tell all people, you know, um, you got to have spurts where it's on 100. Mm-hmm. percent You know, and so, you know, there's a there's a stint where I was on it for year years, where it's like what I felt to be like pretty much a hundred percent i was like trying to get away from a chronic illness that i feel like in a lot of ways whether i knew it or not at the time caused you know and that's that's what a lot of people don't like to hear is like you have some of these chronic illnesses and you got to own that Mm -hmm. before you ever healed from it you know and if you look at like how we rank stress uh, like so physical, chemical, and emotionally ranking a, a disease, let's say, mm-hmm. like can't, let's just take my ranking. So seminoma, testicular cancer, I had a fractured L5, which I found out about in chiropractic school. So the fractured back at L5, which is the neurology level that controls your reproductive organs. That's like dangerous, isn't it? Right. Well, as a, yeah, as a pars fracture, it caused like a spondylolisthesis. So it's, it caused like a, my L5 to actually like slip off my sacral base. And it just caused a, honestly, it just caused a shitload of back pain. Like, I had it all the time. But the nerve compression to whatever organ that goes to is going to be lessened, right? Mm-hmm. Like a testicle, for example, <laughs> in this case. Right? So I had the physical component, for yeah. neurology compression. I had chemical, like I was a farm kid, right? We grew up in, I was even the crop duster, like chemical guy. Yeah. So like a plane would come in, the goal is to have them in the air in five minutes. You'd come in, would mix 800 gallons or 1,000 gallons of chemicals to spray a whole field with, and he had to be jet-fueled, loaded with chemicals in five minutes. So you were moving fast. Moving fast and spilling chemicals yeah. and sweating and it's getting on my skin. And on my, I'm 15 years old and I don't really care about wearing gloves all the time when I'm sweating all the time. Yeah. And, I, you know, it was around the time like Ready Roundup came out. You know, we were farm mm-hmm. farmers too and – so we farmed all that stuff. Basically, like, Roundup is chemical made to kill everything it touches except what was genetically modified not to die <laughs> from it. So, you know, how, what does that do to us? You know, I don't know. There's probably not a lot of research on a lot of these chemicals, right? 
and then we're being exposed to more chemicals and at a faster rate than ever before. Mm-hmm. But they're not being untested on humans, partly because it would be unethical to test them on humans, right? So like, well, there's our sign. But anyway, yeah, I grew up in a lot of pesticides and herbicides and agriculture. And I mean, we're in Red River Valley, like North Dakota, like mm-hmm. if you sell like life insurance policies door to door, that's a pretty good job there because there's not if it's pretty much when you're getting cancer. There's a lot of chemicals, yeah. a lot of chemicals in that area. And anyway, so, you know, cancer didn't care that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people's chronic illnesses, like they, the disease didn't care that you didn't know or lived in a lifestyle that you're ignorant to the fact that, you know, might have been exposed. You have to still, I still had to own up to it and it might have been related to it and it might be related if I do nothing to the next chronic disease too, right? So, you know, had the had the physical component, had the chemical component, and then, like I said before, I was actually diagnosed. My dad was diagnosed three months before. I moved back from California on a credit card, and I graduated with my doctorate, and I got my first job in my profession. So a lot of emotional stress. Yeah, that's a dense time period right. right there. So everybody will have that though. If you rank, if you look at like when chronic disease probably occurred, look at just look at the history leaves clues. We always say. You know, look at the history. It'll leave clues as to like when these things, like this cup was filled with chemicals, physical stress, chemical, mm-hmm. emotional, boom, it spilled over. And if I would have done nothing or if I would have just taken on more chemicals, it probably keeps spilling over. And that's, that's America. That's what we're seeing all the time. So it's like looking at a better system. Sure. So that's but a lot of Cairo talk tonight. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's uh, really interesting though. <laughs> I mean, I believe in that stuff a bunch i mean just the foundational i feel like a lot of people neglect the foundational things like you were saying t- treating the symptoms and not the not the core of of problems yeah you know and that's more than just health i mean uh, other things too yeah for sure i think yeah chiropractic has come i mean we went from bone crushers by the way chiropractic wasn't this first chiropractic case wasn't even for neck and back pain yeah people don't even know that it was a, it was a hearing loss case actually mm-hmm. you know and, and the guy got his hearing back and they're like there must be more to it and it led to these other things. Like it helps with neck and back pain, but I'm like, that's just the surface. What were you saying, bone crushers? Oh yeah, back in the day, like I mean, the, the original chiropractic, yeah, it was like not <laughs> even a profession, you know. Sounds like a WWE like wrestler. Like D.D. Palmer, yeah, <laughs> and B.J. Palmer back in, you know, the original chiropractic schools in Iowa, yeah. just hours away from here, and uh, you know, even still, some of the they call them the green books, but they're old like writings of the original textbooks. I mean, there's there's stuff in there that still applies to today that's right on point. Some of the stuff they're saying about how to look at disease and the doctors of the future won't use medicine, but look at, you know, the nature of the disease. And it's all in there. That was a long time ago. So that concludes part one of my interview with Dr. James. In part two, we dive into more of uh, the business side of Finish Line Wellness, as well as other businesses and organizations he's a part of. We also get more into health and wellness and his take on culture, leadership, books he's reading, and how a successful chiropractic business is ran. Thanks.